So I don't know if we really need that type of an intro. Sarah wants to get rid of the show. Without Pete, it just falls apart. We'll figure out Papa Pete's not here anymore. The kids are running the show. We're in there. What's up, guys? Welcome to Cena Nerd. Hey, where's Pete? Oh, man, that's so sad. We can't start off with that. Who are you talking about? <laughs> Who is that? I'm your host today. It's Matt. Yeah. What's up? It's I'm Salzy, and I'm here joined by friends of the show and super awesome friends of mine, uh, Everett and Sarah. Uh, Sarah, hello. How are you? We're just friends now. I thought I was like a co-host. Oh, oh, I mean, downgraded because you're a oh, girl. That was like implied, right? <laughs> and also, why, why are you lumping me with him? Right. She's so mad that you put my name first. Just so you know, she's going to hate you for the next week. You know, I'm only I going in the even... order that Skype shows me. Okay, come on. <laughs> right. You're going in the you're going in the order of which Earth we're from, because Sarah is definitely Zoom, aka Hunter's all of Zoom. And, no, I, and I'm Jay Garrick. I'm Jay Garrick. No, you Why you gotta was, be so rude? Because. You know that I'm gonna you're Google really map you anyway, so. so. We're off to a rocking good start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we did. We told people from the Netflix crew, which is a really terrible podcast that me and Sarah want. No, I'm just kidding. That that if they wanted more of what we had there to just come to scene and nerd, so. Be scared. Be you scared. guys already recorded that part? Oh, that's very nice. But yeah, because yeah, you see them too here. They're awesome. Yeah. So how's your guys' week? Man. All right. So, <laughs> uh, great. <laughs> it's super empty. Like, I'm always like, all right, so what show am I going to watch now? Well, there's nothing on, really. I know. At all. It- it if felt only... like you had to like scavenge various <laughs> streaming. What, why are you laughing at that? Why, why? I was just imagining you like going out like to a, a bit like a crashed wreck of a ship somewhere in the water, and you're like digging through the through the through the silt to try and okay. find like, some okay. shows. For gold, yeah, like know. scavenging films. First of all, don't imagine me doing anything ever. Second of all. Jeez. Like I was saying, takes offense to everything I say. I don't know if this is gonna work out, Matt. Just telling you right now. Good thing that intro doesn't have any names in there. <laughs> right, it all be Ex- done. <laughs> exactly. You're gonna have to replace me with. Someone. Yes, Sarah. You're saying continue. Wait, really? Were you saying something, Sarah? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was trying to make a segue into preacher. <laughs> God. Okay. What? See, because there's nothing on. If only there was a new television show that's super cool and maybe on the AMC. Uh, so yeah, this, <laughs> if you didn't catch it, they had it over two weekends, right? Like you had two chances to watch the, the pilot for Preacher? Correct. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So if you didn't catch it, well, dude, you're super late, dog. Uh, get on it. I think it's streaming on like their website and it's on demand if you have Xfinity and all that good stuff. But we all caught it and we're, I mean, I don't know, we're going to find out. I was super impressed with it. What first, uh, impressions on, on the episode? Sarah, we'll start with you. 
I'm a bit mixed. Like, I really like all the characters. However, I still don't entirely understand what happened. (laughs) Because it felt like they were just showing you a bunch of mini vignettes. And then they they end it really strong because now Jesse is possessed by something else. We don't but there wasn't enough backstory where I really understood like the central conflict of the show. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean if you think about like pilots for shows, I think this is a pretty strong one, but there were definitely a lot of questions that I hope they would have answered, at least in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Like right. um, exactly how his powers work. Maybe not yeah. exactly, but like at least show a little bit more of like what does it mean to be possessed? Because you see in the beginning, the first words out of the uh, whoever's the spirit's taken over the person, like people take literally who hear around him, you know, like the right. first guy said silence and they're all quiet. And then the first thing that, well, I guess not really the first thing that he says, but the first thing that he meaningfully says to somebody I guess he he says like to, to the guy like be, what do you say? Be brave. Uh, tell Listen. her how you feel. Open your heart. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. And I was, and then he literally did it. So I'm like, oh, is that how it works? But, um, ever, what did you think of the pilot like, overall? So I don't know anything about preacher, even though I read a ton of comics. I haven't read this one, and for the first half of the episode, I think up until the bar fight, I absolutely hated it. Like I just thought it was the most like, it was a waste of time. Then I went to IMDb and and read the synopsis of the show, like, of what it was supposed to be about, and then I started to get into it. Like, I feel like I, feel like I needed to know what the hell was going on to get into the show, and up until that point, I, like, I was just confused, like, Sarah. Like, I just didn't what know did what you, they were trying to accomplish. What did you read that made you change your mind about it? It literally tells you, like, what's going to happen in that pilot, which okay. it was kind of a spoiler, but it says that, like, a, a some kind of supernatural being named, named Genesis, right. like, chooses Jesse, and whenever that happens, apparently it, like, destroys, like, kills everyone in his church and destroys his church, which mm-hmm. that didn't happen, so, at least not yet, and so I was just like, okay... But apparently it gives him powers that rival gods, like the actual gods. So, like, that's all it really says. And I was just like, okay, so I kind of see, like, where they're going to try and take this. So I kind of, you know, I just kind of sat back and tried to take it in. And I don't know. I kind of liked it. Towards the end, I liked it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely ended strong. I think we all can agree on that. I felt like... This was another one of those like two parter pi- two parter pilot episodes. Right. Like um like they definitely finished the first hour on the right note where it's like, who the fuck are these G Men? And then like right. with cool ass like Texas hats. And eating, then like eating tea bags. Eating tea bags. That's oh, man, that is it's that very is British. Metal's fuck right there. Apparently they're called the Saint Killers. Okay. Just gonna put that yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they gave him like the bad guy vibe. Like I thought that they were gonna give Cassidy the bad guy vibe because he killed a bunch of dudes, but they were really trying to kill him. So yeah, I couldn't understand a thing that he said. Though, <laughs> like, am I the only one who didn't understand anything that he said? 
Well, I got I, like half of the words that Cassidy said, like at any given time. I, I live in Europe, so I hear a lot of British accents, and I, I understood everything. But that was Irish, though. Right, but he's a British guy, so I don't know. I don't know. Like the inflections it, are closer to in, like England, like English. Right, but he's Irish. No, he's not. He was born in the UK, or well, the he's probably like northern. I don't know, fucking Sarah, but he's got an Irish accent in this TV fourteen. No, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> right, everyone in the show is doing an accent. By the way, horrible Texas accents, dude. It's the best. No, hell no. I will argue uh, on this. I grew up in Texas, and it's like I grew up in Texas, and I've lived in Texas most of my life. I've never seen more Texas than what was in this pilot. <laughs> That's why it's so great. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, this is the stereotypical southern town, like, in the middle of nowhere that I really, right. really like. <laughs> it was just, like, that opening church scene where they were doing, like, the barbecue or whatever outside. I was like, holy shit, I've never seen anything more Texas than this you scene. You shot right a squirrel now. at yeah. church. <laughs> right. I love it. It's like, this, like, location did for, uh, does for Texas what, like, um... <laughs> Like perfection, like did for Nevada in right. uh, Tremors. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like, oh, this is what I mean by like in the middle of the damn desert. This is what I mean by in the middle of Texas. Right. Um. But yeah, it's it's pretty bad slash good, especially Tulip's accent. I don't know how you feel about that. She she's a little sketchy on her accent, but I don't know. I like goes in and out a little bit. Yeah, she. I mean, <laughs> she did a better accent than uh, the guy that played Black Black Panther in Civil War. <laughs> But I thought it was fine. <laughs> Chadwick Boseman. But no, I I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was good. How did you, uh, Sarah? How did you feel about uh, Tulip's character? We're we're gonna go like backwards. We're gonna talk everybody else except Preacher. We're gonna go for that last. So yeah, what did you think about Tulip's burst on the scene? I love Tulip. <laughs> um, I think she she's the, one of the few characters that really interests me. Um, and I want to know more about her. Like, I like the fact that she was hanging out with the kids. And she she just has this way about her where you can see the duplicity in her. But at the same time, she has this charm about it that makes it very endearing in a way. And I just felt like all of her moments were l- really strong. And especially that beat at the end between her and Jesse. <sighs> And where she says to him, like, don't make me teach you, implying don't make me teach you how to hate me. Like, right now, you're, we're still, like, in this, we're still, we still love each other, but there's also that antagonism. And I think it works for that relationship. And so I'm interested to see what happens. I want to, I'm curious to see if we're going to get some flashbacks to when they were in a relationship together before this point in time. Or just what's going to happen. I mean, she's sticking around for a reason. Right, yeah. I mean, like, she's in the in the back of the church, you know, at the end, and so is uh, Cassidy. And so I think, like, the some of the cards have already been kind of, like, laid out in, like, who's team preacher, who's team bad guys. But we don't really know because right now I feel like the wild card in this show is, is Cassidy's character because um, I really like him. Um, I think he's really funny. But also... It's obvious that he's like not a natural. You know, he's not a person. He's like so. My my question is to you, Everett. Like, what do you think? Uh, is he is he like a bad guy? Is he a demon? Is he just like some like 
chaotic neutral character who just does whatever he wants? Is there an agenda? What do you, what do you think is behind him? By the way, he's from Chorley, England. So I was right, sir. <laughs> but I actually got a Lucifer kind of Damien-esque vibe right. from him. Like, I exactly. feel like he's Satan incarnate. Like, he, yeah. Like, it, just like the fact that he, like, I don't know. It's interesting because he's being hunted by people that hide medieval weapons in planes, which I didn't get until, like, after that fight. But, like, when he saw that Bible, like, they were pointing at all the clues of of that it's him in the Bible. So it has to be that he's, like, the beast. That's that's oh, the see, only thing I'm thinking. Yeah, like all those notes that were written written in the in that Bible in the airplane bathroom, I think were kind of their clues that that they used to track him down. I thought they were like demon hunters, but yeah, that that's kind of cool if he's actually like Satan incarnate. That'd be pretty cool to see. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong. It, people that have read the comics are turning off the podcast right now, so <laughs> <laughs> they're hitting them them iTunes comments pretty hard right now. Right. So yeah, no, yeah, I, I I liked him though. Like I feel like I didn't like him whenever he jumped out of the airplane. I was so confused by what the hell just happened, and I didn't like him. But after the bar fight in the jail scene, I I started liking him. So uh, hopefully he's kind of like a nefarious but good kind of sidekick type guy. Yeah, because at the end, you know, it kind of pans over to him drinking a beer. Then he has like random flames coming out of his hand. Yeah. So be interesting to see if uh like what what type of you know conflict's going to come happen like is he going to fight against Jesse or or with him with those d- demonics like you know thinking powers right. um i don't know like the the overall like tone of of the show it was going back and forth cuz all these really deep philosophical kind of questions you know kind of came off right the bat even like to kind of set up the mood um like one of the first instances of like character interaction with Jesse was like there's um this kid comes up and he uh you know he's he's telling him to take care of his dad because you know um he's he's thinking there's like domestic abuse happening I was like wow that um we're hitting the gas on on those um really strong subjects and I was like oh it's going to be one of those AMC shows where it's a lot <laughs> of like like strong subject matter, this and that, and all of a sudden you see this guy handling a spear, trying to stab a guy through the chest. <laughs> right, and I'm, and I'm like, "What the fuck is?" And then, you know, it was jarring, and I liked it. it it's yeah. like clashing, but in a good way. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them kind of walk the tightrope on that throughout the whole season. Um, well, well, it's it's funny because I think the tone matches Jesse. And just yeah. the character that they're shaping, which is probably why it takes a while to really invest in the show, especially if you're not familiar with the books, because you they didn't give us a lot of information about who Jesse really is. I mean, you, they gave you clues, but not really a good sense of his character. So it just seemed to be shaping throughout the entire episode. And I think overall... The arc's going to be really interesting because by the end of the season, we're going to really understand who he is and why he's the focus of the show. Right. Yeah. There's there's a lot of question marks in the beginning and like even right. just in the one little flashback that he has with his dad. And then it's kind of revealed at the end that, you know, the, the, the thing that kind of his own mantra is like, I want to be one of the good guys. I promise my dad to be a good guy. 
And right. um, I thought that was a cool way of kind of unfolding who Jesse is. But there's still a lot of questions like, what is his backstory with uh, Tulip? What exactly are his newfound powers? How do they work? How do you right. get them? Were they, you know, bestowed upon like however it's said? Or are they going to kind of continue with kind well, of swerving or something? Well, we saw how he got these powers in this episode because I don't think he was anything else besides just a man who has anger issues. <laughs> a little um, bit. <laughs> a little bit of anger issues. You know, he likes to take the law into his own hands. Likes to, to you know, break someone's freaking arm off. Yeah, right. he probably, Jesus. I mean, him and Tulip got into some trouble. But I I think that really this episode, its main point and purpose was to show you that it's almost like a prologue, just how it's set up. Because especially with that intro where the first, I want to say, two minutes with that like cartoon that they played, at first I thought that Amazon accidentally did something wrong with their streaming and mislabeled right. the episode. I did too. <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, what's going what on? What is this? <laughs> I honestly thought the exact same thing. I was like, holy what? shit, is this like a Carl Sagan show? <laughs> or something that just popped up? super duper confused. Nova. But um, I guess it all kind of makes sense at, for example, a little wanna, bit more. Yeah, I want to give a shout out though to the editor because they made some really smart editing choices in this episode, especially considering how fragmented it felt at times. Because it felt like you were in the diner, and then you were with Cass- Cassidy, and then you were with Tulip, and like all these mini stories going along. But to transition them in between, like the one that resonated the most with me for some odd reason is when Cassidy jumps out of the plane. Like, they cut to a breakfast in the diner with Jesse, and he's squirting ketchup onto his toast. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Like, that's such a great transition point. And then what they did with Tulip and the kids and how this is a TV show. It's probably low in budget, so they're not going to show you all the explosions or everything. But to... I didn't felt the need to see all of that action because I was so entertained by the kids, like them staring at the wooden doors and just hearing everything that was going on and the chaos that that was enough for me to entertain me. Right. So I yeah, thought that's pretty clever. The uh, purpose of that was to see how the kids react to it. Not so much um, like how she's taking down a helicopter with some tin cans. <laughs> right. <laughs> Although that right. would have been cool to see. But yeah. it was more like, um, like the kids are like, we're both we're both in the bomb shelter with with them or the you know tornado shelter with them. Like, what was going on out there? And then she opens up and it's like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, uh, yeah. I thought that was so fun. Um, I wanted to touch really quick on um, Jesse's like kind of internal struggle, though. We kind of talked about a little bit of it where you know he wants to be a good guy, promises dad, and then how you know we're interested in seeing the rest of he folds out, but. Um, how do you think it's going to play out for the rest of the season with the conversation that um, Tulip and Jesse had in the car? Like, um, what is this big job that she's talking about? And um, how do you think she's going to like stick around in the show and be relevant, but still have that on her plate? Like, ever do you have any ideas on how it's going to play out? So my guess is that Tulip was part of like a crew that Jesse was either leading or a part of, like some kind of like criminal 
like not really like criminal, but like they did bad stuff. Like I don't know if they robbed banks or what. <laughs> bad things because they're so evil. <laughs> Twirling no, his mustache. I'm, no, I don't mean evil, but you know they broke the law, and so yeah, 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 twirling his mustache. But I, I just I think that she's trying to like get him back. Kind of like the start of Ant-Man, you know, where they freaking what's-his-face tries to get tries to get Paul Rudd to, to join, a, join a new heist or whatever that they've got right, planned right. out. Like, I feel like she's kind of doing that with him. Like, I've got this hit, and he's like, you know, I'm a preacher now, blah, 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 and I don't know. I just, I think, I think it'll be interesting to see with his new powers kind of how how the relationship between them works now that he's supposedly like this godlike being. Right. And um, I don't know if you guys stuck around for the little preview after the episode, which is something that I rarely do. I actually watch the preview for the next episode that AMC showed or, or rolled after um, the credits, but or before, I guess, but whatever. Um, there's a little shot of her. Like, it looks like she's being baptized. Did you guys see that? Hmm. No, I didn't no, watch the preview. I missed that. Unless it was somebody else, but somebody yell at me if I'm wrong. Oh, I guess I'll find out, you know, when the next episode comes on. But it looked like there was a scene where it's like outside of the church and then, you know, um where they were barbecuing, like it's replaced now with like um these big kind of like pools almost, like above ground pools, and then um it looked like everyone was like dressed in white and then there was a little close up shot of somebody being dunked and it looked like tulip, but I, mm. I could be wrong. Um so when you mention um, like how she's like gonna you know how the plan's gonna play out and how um, you know Jesse's gonna get involved, I'm interested to see how um, like if if that was just like a like kind of a swerve on in parts of the production and getting this height or you know asking the right questions for next episode or if it's gonna be she's gonna be driven to do these things in in a different manner but um, well it's possible if he's got like the power of making people do what he literally says like he could just tell her to get baptized in in some fashion and she ends up doing it like who knows it'll be interesting Then if he makes Cassidy do it, hilarity ensues. He's like, oh, I'm a demon, bro. Just kidding. (laughs) This water is turning to blood, yo. Right. Well, no, because the the guy in the plane poured holy water on him. And he's like, don't you guys understand or get a clue? Or I don't know what he says. But anyways, do you guys think Arseface is baptized? I I, I I think so. He's pretty devoted. Yeah. And are we really calling him that? Is that his real name? That's his name. His God, name that seems Arsace. so disrespectful. It is. He gets bullied. Worst ways possible. Yo. Right. But, it, I mean, it's true. As kind of the first thing I was like, oh, it's kind of like a butthole. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. <laughs> then I guess it is, according to wherever Sarah found her notes from. <laughs> well, from, no, no, it was. from what I read, apparently he got, like, I don't know, he somehow got a shotgun that went off in his either in his mouth or towards his face and lived through it and that's how it happened but i i no clue that's just kind of glancing on the internet no i when i or googling stuff i found something that basically explained his face is the result of a failed suicide attempt 
Right. Which is really interesting to me. And so I'm curious again to see if we're going to get flashbacks or are they going to explain it in present day. And I think I think that it, like moving forward, his storyline also makes me curious because that's super depressing. But he's also when he was in the room with Jesse and all hyper and then talking about how God doesn't speak to him anymore. And just the way he was acting, he felt so much like a kid. So there was still that innocence about him that was kind of endearing. So I think I think they did a pretty good job with his character. So I'm curious. I mean, but that's like how I am with this show in general. Like, I have no idea where we're going with this. But I'm very curious about it. I just want to know how someone survives a shotgun in their mouth. Like, that's that's crazy. Well, if you point it to the back of your throat, you're just going to, like, maim yourself. you got to aim it upwards. That's what, that's what yeah. doctors say. Okay. Maybe that's what he did. God, that is so morbid of me to know that, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah. I don't know where I learned it from. I picked it up somewhere. I don't probably know, some movie show. from the 90s. I feel like they did probably. that shit. They were probably hacking like the mainframe as well while telling me that. So right. it's totally true. Hackers. <laughs> but, Did you guys um, have like flashbacks to Civil War with all the setting? Yes. Giant yeah. white letters on my screen. I'm like, dude, relax. Like I literally <laughs> told my TV to relax. I flashed more back to just Quentin Tarantino films where I think Civil War kind of got that from. Just because yeah. like I feel like we're getting that more and more now. Like, do we, is it like, is the era where they just stick like where you are at like the bottom left corner of the screen? Is that done? Like, do they need to put like a giant massive white text on the screen now? Yeah, I like how it's in the corner and it's like away because you can kind of like see the shot, but at the same time, your eyes are diverting towards the bottom left. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense because it's all turned into like a big wide establishing shot and then just giant letters on the screen. Um, which is okay because, you know, when the letters go away, you see the shot. So I just think like Tarantino does like it really artsy and people are like, Oh, I want to do that in my film. And then Captain America did it and it was like, yeah, okay, that's cool. And then in this show, I'm just like, really? Like, is this how it's going to be from now on? Like, I don't mind it. I just, I I don't really mind it. I guess I I just prefer it in the bottom. Right. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I kind of just, I think of that Tarantino. And then I also think of the straight out of blank. You know, like memes oh, yeah. that are going around now. <laughs> so I was like, nice. straight out of Texas, straight out of Africa. <laughs> <laughs> the next evolution and location markers is like straight out of something. Right. <laughs> straight out of Russia. <laughs> Crazy ass shit <laughs> popping off in a church, bro. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like, um, I mean, I don't mind it. I mean, it's it's kind of nice from a visual perspective, I guess. It just seems so obnoxious to me. It's like you are in Africa. I'm like, you could be a little more creative in establishing like where you are in that scene, but maybe people tend to miss the bottom like left. Maybe. Yeah, that's what it is. It's okay, Everett. You can say that you tend to miss. You don't have to say maybe people. You can can... (laughs) It's mostly Alaskans that miss that. Well, I was just going to say to talk about that African scene, because at the beginning, we are first shown the Genesis flying into a church and the preacher actually exploding. I laughed so hard. (laughs) That was awesome. I literally said that was awesome aloud. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Not to mention the fact that later on in the episode, via newscast, essentially oh, the show killed Tom Cruise. I was so angry about that. Oh, man. I kind of clapped a little bit. I thought it was, no. I was like, the ball's on him. Oh, my God. That's crazy. I'm so mad about that. Tom Cruise is the best. Yes. Yeah. But it seems like Genesis kind of moves from, like, from, you know, like preachers to preachers, you know what I'm saying? Like Tom Cruise was the proponent of uh, Yeah, like I, before before the African priest died, he said, you know, I'm the or I am the chosen one, like I am the pro or you know, something like that. Right. I wonder I'm the prophet. Yeah, like it and that's kind of selfish. Like I wonder if because Jesse was like gonna quit being a priest if that's why Genesis was able to successfully like bond with him, like maybe everyone else was like, Oh my God, now I have all this Holy power. You know, I'm going to be, I'm so powerful in it. They just Genesis like rejects them right. somehow. Oh, see. And there's another scene too, where um, I forgot where, what he said. I think it was in the diner with Emily, like her or his, his organist or whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. a helper, I guess at the church. He said um, like, number one, be humble or something like that. And then, I don't know. It, it seemed, it seemed interesting at the time because that line stuck out with me because I think there was a beat, like a little beat of silence at the end. I was like, oh, they wanted me to remember that for some reason, and I think that's the reason why Genesis ha- has taken over Jesse and hasn't he hasn't blown up yet. At least right. I hope he doesn't because that wouldn't make any sense for the show. There would be no right. preacher. No, so, I, I like Emily, but I'm still mad that she left Constantine after the pilot. Because she was really good in that pilot. <laughs> oh my god, that's where she's from. She's Liv, man. I forgot. I'm leaning away from my microphone. Sorry. Um, and I, and I, I still know. have a version of that Constantine pilot where she tells him she's gonna go with him and stay, and that's why I'm still mad about that. Ah, uh, heartbroken. I was. I totally was like, where is she from? I didn't. I'm IMDb here. I forgot to, but man, that is crazy. See, I I find that Jesse has both that selfish part of him, and you get and you get shown more of that um, when he talks about his past and all of that history is brought up, even though they don't explain too much. It's just the few bits that you get, you understand that he has been selfish, but now because of that promise that he made his dad, he's trying to change. And so there's also this this innate good and good about him. And sometimes like when he's talking with a kid or... Um, the kid's mom, there are moments where Jesse can seem really mean almost, and then he switches it, and you see this, like, part where he actually makes a pretty good preacher. (laughs) So it's that duality, and I think that's part of the reason why we're watching Genesis move from host to host to host, and then them rejecting Genesis or rejecting or Genesis rejecting the hostess body only to come to Jesse. And it's like, Nope, this is a person who's actually going to be the prophet. Yeah. What that means is I have no idea, but no I'm curious about it. I almost yeah, want to like, go read the comics. But I know I wanted to mention too, that I, I, we're all coming in like without reading any of the books, right? Sarah, did you take a peek or no? I just I Google stuff. Sir doesn't like, know the <laughs> comics. <laughs> well, I don't know, maybe. But uh, yeah, I I was about to start reading this, and then um, good friend of the show, um, JP Mapa, my friend from 
forever and a half. He said, oh, they're making a show about it. Don't start reading it. And I was like, oh, yes. He's, so he's encouraged me to not read it so I don't um, you know, uh, project whatever the comic books are on the show. Exactly. He said that's very cool because Preacher's like super popular. So if you're one of the, like the people who can go in like drive for this show, you should kind of keep that up and then read it after. And from um, what I've heard, it's nothing like the comics. Like a lot of the people that did read the comics are pretty angry that of how it's not like the comics. So it's probably best not to read them. Okay, yeah, I think I'll I will not try to get any spoilers in the books. But um, any like last feelings about the pilot? What are you guys excited about? What do you guys have burning questions about? Um, uh, Sarah, we'll start with you. To a left, to a left. I know. How did she just, take down a helicopter with tin cans? Yeah, it, like she does that in the pilot episode, and they're saving stuff for her to do. Like, she's the lady MacGyver. Sarah, yeah. Sarah just like that feminist rant that was like hidden in that scene with her. Yeah, it was like, um, what she say? Like, um, no boys or like, you don't. A have woman to has be, to be strong. Yeah, like you don't have to have a boy to help you. <laughs> I was just like, oh damn. But no, I, it's true, but yeah, I, there is some right. hidden agenda. Almost, no, I, mean, right? I, I didn't find it. I didn't find it that bad. I, I kind of like that line, but uh, yeah, no, I just, I think it'll be interesting to see where Cassidy goes. I thought he was interesting and yeah, just see what the, what the, what the show has to offer knowing nothing about it. So. Yeah. I think that's, pretty much what we're all taking away from it is just like this is definitely i feel like it's unlike a lot of shows that are on tv right now i'm, I'm not caught mm -hmm. up on sci-fi it feels a very sci-fi show with a little like walking little more, dead yeah like it has that walking dead, yeah grind to it yeah it has it that like aesthetic of walking dead but you're like it's not Walking Dead. It's something else. <laughs> I was waiting for a walker to start pounding on the uh, the, the church <laughs> when he started walking in the in the first scene. Right. I was like, "Oh, where's that hidden walker? I know they put it in there. Those bastards." <laughs> Be kind of funny. Um, I, I, so, it's yeah. kind of strange that like we got Lucifer, Damien, and Preacher all in the same year. Like it's a strange like trend that we're heading towards. Dude, we're just thinking about but the devil. Da yeah, but Damien Damien got canceled, right? Right. Yeah. It's oh, just... I thought you were talking about Damien Dark. I was like, wait, who? No, the sci-fi... Uh, what I forget what channel it's on. I think it's sci-fi maybe that Damien's on. I don't Technically, know. Technically, all the Damien's got canceled. Damien is like 20 years after the movie The Omen. That Damien. Like, little kid that uh, kills people. Okay. Creepy. Damien. Super creepy. But yeah. That's yeah. kind of cool. We're just, you know devil went down to texas instead of I, georgia <laughs> i did like the uh the church sign jokes that they did through this episode that was, that like, was great oh that yeah was, classic was yeah. i was like oh yeah that for, this is an amc show for sure yeah. i like how jesse like yells at them about it too he's like just <laughs> stop it just and then he got played off who's changing the sign just <laughs> just quit being a dick that's like all he wanted to say <laughs> you know, he couldn't say it like, come on, guys, we're better than this. <laughs> you know, it's one of those adults, too. It wasn't one of the kids, either. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, so that's going to do it for our talk about the Powder Preacher. What did you guys think? Sound off on Twitter. Uh, sign off on the uh, comments. You know, what are you guys excited about? Um, I think we're planning on, you know, curving week to week. So if you guys are a week to week watcher for a Preacher, um, definitely tune in every week. We're going to try to follow as much as we can. And uh, stay hyped with it because we're both pretty... Um, 
I think we're all pretty kind of invested in right now. Maybe hesitant for some, but I'm I'm kind of all in on this. Yeah, curious. Curious. All in. All in. I'll watch the first one. Yeehaw! (laughs) I need more southern like accent stuff. Like someone needs to be sipping like a mint julep somewhere. I think I think we just need to move from Texas and go into King's Landing for a little bit. Oh, segue! Sarah. So I don't watch Game of Thrones, at least not yet. I'm planning on watching it soon. But I know you guys are huge fans of Game of Thrones, so um, uh, Sarah and Everett, would you like to please open the discussion floor on what you thought of last or this week's episode of Game of Thrones? Uh, I thought this this week was kind of boring, to be fair. Me like, too. Yeah. <laughs> that epic intro to the segments? <laughs> oh my god. No, I mean, like, they had, like, a really good episode the week before this one, and then this one, like, was very uneventful. Like, there was a couple things, like... The biggest thing that happened, we'll just jump right into, is that Benjamin Stark returns. He hasn't been seen since, like, episode one, or, like, no, he was in a couple more episodes, but in season one. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, one of the big book mysteries, because I've read all the books, like, is this guy Benjamin Stark? Like, Benjamin Stark has to reappear because he went up north of the wall and no one ever, like, saw him again. And he finally came back, which... I actually knew the minute that we saw the guy's eyes, you know, uh, catching uh, what's it, what's his face, and I forget her name. Marin, Marin, Marin. Yeah, I think it's Marin Reed. I think that's gonna bother me. But anyways, whenever like he had his mask on, I was like, there, there's no hiding those eyes that that dude has. But. Right. And but it's not just that he came back, but he's also he got struck by a white walker, but the children of the forest managed to save him. So he still has some of the repercussions from being hit, right? So he's like yeah. he's not fully human, but he's not fully a white walker either. I feel like there's a weird there's like a weird parallel going on between the red the red priestess that can resurrect people like the red, the fire God that can resurrect people. And then like the children who created the white walkers being able to resurrect people, like not resurrect, but like, I don't know. Did he die? I can't really, I can't remember exactly the, the, what he said happened. Like if he actually died or if they just saved him from death. No, no, no. It's not that he actually died. It's that he was going to, but they saved him from death. Okay, so that's it. But yeah, no, I thought it... What, what did you think of the episode? I mean, it, I essentially feel exactly like you did. You got a lot of setup this episode, and I I think coming off of the previous episode, there is there's no way to follow that up. Right. <laughs> like, you're... And, and, like, what surprised me is this realization, like, oh, they did hold the door halfway through this season. We have... <laughs> so many more episodes left to go and so much more story to tell. And usually it's the, that episode eight or nine where all of the big stuff really happens. So Ooh. we're getting a lot of setup. You can, the, the board though, like there are, they're making moves where they like, I love it so much when you're watching a show and you know that who's ever writing this has an end game in mind. 
Right. They're just putting that like to me, that makes me so excited because I hate it when you're watching something. And you're like, I don't know where this is going. I don't have faith in them, but I'm going to still watch it and I'm probably going to get let down. But so that's what Game of Thrones does so well. And something that I want to touch on, especially in terms of Bran and Benjen and Mira. what happened. Be- Mirin, Mira. M- Mira, yeah. Mira. Is that. We also see Bran, like, I'm going to call it an upload of everything that's happened, like, in the past and in the present and in possibly even the future, right? right. Of all of the visions from the third Three-Eye Raven who's now dead. And we they cut to an image of the Mad King, right? Yeah. So, after coming off of that episode where we suddenly understand how the Three-Eye Raven and Bran both have this ability to affect the future, and they also in the past have had this ability. Do you think it's a possibility that the Three-Eye Raven caused the Mad King to go mad? That's a good theory. I I have no clue. That would be cool. Like... The thing about the Mad King is that he kept saying, burn them all. And in the books, they've already deviated a bit, but in the books, the the Raven and and Bran can only see places where there's a weirwood tree, which are the the big white trees with the red leaves and the faces. Like, that's where they can only kind of see what happened anywhere there's a weirwood tree. And since, like civilization has taken hold they've cut down all of those it's possible that they'll kind of play it off that the mad king's like saying burn burn all the weirwood trees because of a vision that he saw like i'm not sure what they'll what they'll do anymore now that they've deviated but that'd be that'd be cool yeah yeah it's just go ahead i think episode eight or nine is gonna is leading up to like the battle to take back winter fell Oh yeah, that that's coming and that's what we all want. And yeah. that's going to give us finally some, because I feel like John and Sansa are going to definitely win that battle. And so I think this season is going to end in a different way than the previous one, because the previous one ended with John's death. Right. Very sad note, even though we all suspected he was going to come back. Mm-hmm. It still ended in that way. That really hit you right in the gut. So I think to counterbalance that, it's gonna we're gonna get some peace with the Starks. Oh, now man. I want Ramsay yeah. to die so much. Oh god. Yeah, burn him all. Burn him at the stake. Who do you want to kill Ramsay? <laughs> do you want to be Sansa, John, or Theon? Sansa. Sansa. I want it to be Sansa. Theon so much. Like well, like I can understand that. At the same time, Theon. Has other stuff to do, right? He does. <laughs> like the Greyjoys, I I didn't. The Greyjoys are like making a comeback this season. Yeah, the Greyjoys make a. They're like a big part of Book Five, especially because that he's got another uncle, which I guess they're leaving out of the show called Varon Greyjoy, mm-hmm. and it's and it's basically like a battle between like Euron becomes the new king. And Varon kind of goes, with, or doesn't go with Theon, but he kind of sails off. Like, I feel like they're replacing 
Varon with Yara and Theon. Because Theon's not like anywhere near them in the book. So it'll be interesting what they do with that storyline with those two characters. Well, I mean, the the whole plot of their uncle is to get the make 10,000 10, ships and go and give them to Daenerys and also marry her. And hey, at the very end of this episode, what did she say that she needed? Oh, 10,000 ships. So... Right. Do we... Are you sick of hearing Daenerys give the same, like, motivational speech to different armies? Daenerys, Daenerys, you bother me on an episode basis because... And I've never been on board with her character. I'm, like, one of the few fans of the shows who... I don't like her. She always reminds me about, like, a petulant child. Right. You know? Like, she just is so whiny. And yet, and I know she has, like, these very fierce, strong moments, and that's cool. But, I and I don't know if it's maybe Amelia Clark or if it's, like, just the character herself. But she feels so entitled for me that it drives me crazy. I am often more fascinated just with her lineage and also the characters around her. I mean, now she has Tyrion. So, of course, I'm going to find her storyline more interesting this and season. Varys, yeah. And Varys. Varys, you need more screen time. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> he's the best. Right. Um, Arya. She got back Needle. Yeah, this is an interesting plot line that is very deviated from the book. So I don't know what they're going to do with her, really. Like it, it's well, like she she was going to be trained as an assassin and get like these cool assassin skills, but I feel like now she isn't gonna have them. Like I don't know if she's gonna be able to change her face or if she's gonna steal some of the faces and run off. Like I don't know. What do you think's gonna well, happen? It's it's gonna be a showdown between her and that other girl. The waif. Is, the is, waif. Yeah. And 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 I think she's going to come out victorious of, from that battle. She's gonna stab um, her. Water's going to come out of her. Something that I I really think that this whole play scenario that they've used to have Arya come to this realization that she can't be no one was really smart and clever. Right. Because I mean, in these past few episodes, we've seen her go to this play and relive these moments that her actual family is connected to and even she herself was witness to and to have that spin where they're telling the story from a different perspective, yeah. one that she at times agrees with and then one that she's like, that's not how it happened. Yeah. Like, I thought that was so interesting. And another thing I want to point out is she was sent there to kill the woman who in the play portrays Cersei. Right. And Cersei has always been at the top of the list for Arya to kill herself. Mm -hmm. And yet she's sent there to kill her and she doesn't. I, I, I love the talk they had before. Oh, it was that. beautiful. It was, that was probably one of the best scenes of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's a good connection. Like that. That, like, the people that play her family in the play are, like, the worst people. And then the people that, you know, her that plays Cersei is, like, the nicest of the actresses. Right. Well, I mean, 
The worst person in that play was the actor who portrayed Tyrion, right. and that's a fan favorite. So it went, it went very like meta for Westeros, and then meta for the viewers. So, <laughs> I mean, but like I, I, I've said this on previous shows that to me this reminded me of Shakespeare, yeah, because Sh- Shakespeare is often known for having these plays within his own play that correlate to the themes that he's trying to flesh out in his own story. So I just, I thought the plot device worked. I'm really happy that we're moving away from the whole many-faced God because it it felt boring. Like, Arya kind of bored me last season. But even though I really wanted her to get to that place... Overall, I feel like the it kind of fell apart, but the, it had its moments, don't get me wrong. And then this really made me understood why she had to go through this because of that struggle. Like, this idea to become no one sounded really cool, but it's actually really hard to do, especially when you're a Stark, and that name means something. Right. Like, I, I really feel like they thematically really... Um, executed that well very well what do you think um i'm blanking on his name the 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 guy that's basically in charge of the temple of the many-faced god the red-haired georgian yeah yeah georgian hagar yeah jackin jackin hagar jackin hagar yeah (laughs) a man we'll just call him a man hagar what do you yeah hagar but what do you what do you think he's gonna do whenever Arya kills the wave? I think we're gonna see him again, and he actually could be the one, not this season, but next season, maybe even kills Arya. I mean, he he he's his character is kind of um, karma. Right. And even that faith just in general, like all men must die and like you are no one. And to be this type of assassin, like everyone, it all ends the same way. So why try to be someone? And it's just, I feel like it would be really interesting to see Arya leave and then for him to haunt her and then him be the result to her own demise because she... As much as she's not willing to sacrifice being a Stark, I feel like Arya's character in general does relate to that religion. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense because she she has her list, like, and she wants to get her own revenge and karma, and want, wants the good people to rise and the bad people to fall. But he's he's so. like super against people dying that aren't supposed to die as well. Right, and he also, because how Arya first met him is she, he fell into her debt because of an act of goodwill. Right. So he gave her those three, like, lives or three wishes that she used yep. to, he's a genie. He's basically yeah. a genie. Man, when, who, who's that, who's the bastard son of the Baratheon king? Who we met. Oh, God, why'd you have to ask me that? That's, I, I'm blanking right now. He's, I am. He's with Hot Pie still, right? No. The last time we saw him, he was like 
rowing away from Bravos, I feel like. And all I'm going to say is I Gendry. want that character, Gendry, I want that character to pop up and for him and Arya to get reunited like next season. That's what I'm waiting for, really. I can't remember what happened with him last because I'm I'm just thinking of the books, I guess, now where he runs. He's like in a Brienne chapter where she's at like an inn and he's there with some like, oh. defending some kids from bad people. I don't know. But who knows what they'll do with him. Like, he's technically still Baratheon's heir in some way. Like, he's a bastard. So I don't really know, like, if they'll do anything with him. Yeah. He's a bastard. He's a bastard. You know, there was a little bit about that. Not, like, Sam isn't a bastard, but his father basically disowned him. Right. That was intense. <laughs> oh, you know what else is going to happen in episode eight or nine? What? The freaking High Sparrow's got to die. He's got to die, right? Like, he's not going to take over the kingdom. No, 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 no. Tommen has to die because <laughs> he's so annoying. <sighs> Tommen is the worst. I was so, oh, man. Like, Jamie Lannister is my favorite character in the show. And mm-hmm. the minute he marched up with with Lord Tyrell with all those guards and face down the high sparrow and his like sparrow dudes and Lancel that jackass. Oh man. I was so excited. I was like, I can't wait to see the slaughter. And then Tommen and Marjorie walk out and I was so mad. I was so mad. Like why would Tommen do that? Oh, because Marjorie, but they, but they didn't set it up that way. Marjorie has boobs. But Marjorie's also got a plan. No, Marjorie has boobs. <laughs> I but you were going to say something else. <laughs> no, I was going to say Marjorie has boobs, but she's not allowed to show them anymore because her dad's not going to allow it. I, I think it's really interesting that in this conversation, by us taking Jamie's side, we're kind of also taking Cersei's side in yeah. this whole matter. Which, man, talk about a turnaround for a character because there are seasons where we absolutely hate her. And yet, Mm -hmm. after what she went through in that final episode and just how she's come back this season, I can't really fault her for some of her actions. Like, she's still Cersei. But this is just, like, I like this idea that these characters we have seen for years like this is the sixth season of a show yet they're constantly evolving that's the brilliance of like george r R. martin's writing is even in the books like in book four you start to get the cersei chapters or maybe it's book three i don't even know but that's when i like i didn't really start to to like her per se but I started to sympathize for her because of what she's going through and like the the shame, the walk of shame she had to do. But but like the turn on Jamie, man, I hated him in season one because he's such a jackass. Season right. two, you know, he kind of's doing quips and stuff. And then season three, I was hundred percent on board. Like Jamie's my dude yeah. now. And and I think I think the writing if if I'm right, I feel like one of the characters that we like, whether it be Arya or Jon Snow or Daenerys, is going to end up being like the villain of the story at the very end. Or like Bran. He's going to screw up some other people's lives. Yeah, or Bran. Like someone, it's a song of ice and fire. 
we can assume Daenerys is the fire and Jon Snow is the ice, right? So they, I don't know if they'll clash or if they'll join. So so I, I, I don't think it's, I think something in this show, for me personally, the way I view it is that it's not about heroes and villains. Like, it's really easier for viewers to get caught up in being like, you know what, I got to compartmentalize and put yeah. you in the villain category and you in the hero. It's gray, though, because the world is gray. Like, people aren't one thing or the other. So I think, and and I'm totally on board with that idea that at the end of the show, the Starks now as either a whole family or a one of one of them is going to get what they want, but in like a very horrific and tragic way that makes you think twice about if they're an actual hero or if they are the villain character. That'd be cool. But yeah, like, like it's interesting because I also have an issue with shows that are like, no, they have to die a hero no matter what, even if they, it makes more sense and yes, I'm calling out Sons of Anarchy. Still pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> By the but, way, I think you're hitting something here because I can totally see Sansa becoming the new Cersei. She's uh, she's gonna yeah, she's gonna become the new like she's already getting power hungry. Yeah, well so Jamie is in River Run. He's going there. He's, he's going to River Run. Rem- correct me if I'm wrong. John and Sansa, are they also headed to River Run to get more men? I think that's what was implied. I feel like the, I feel like, um, man, it's so late at night that I'm blanking on everyone's for Littlefinger. I feel like Littlefinger tipped her off that the Blackfish, her uncle, the Blackfish was, had an army in River Run. So I assume that's what they're going to do. Right, so maybe episode eight or nine, we're not going to get the battle for Winterfell. Maybe we're going to get that next season, while this season Ugh. is another a, a new meeting between John, um, Sansa, and Jamie. Like Jamie. this is going well, I, I, it could happen. I don't oh. want it to because his character is really interesting. Yeah. But oh, and ooh think about it this way everett oh wait wait did brianne stay behind or did brianne go with sansa sansa sent brianne away what did she send her away to yeah because she didn't want to maybe she was sending brianne down to the river to river run right i mean because all that's going through my mind right now is a reunion between jamie and brianne and they really are yeah. And they're on opposite sides. Oh, God, it's going to be so good. I'm, so- I'm suddenly so excited. <laughs> yeah, that's a good ship. That's a really good ship. I like them. Even in the books, they're just great. She's the best. And, I mean, Jamie has competition now. Yeah. <laughs> that, those yeah. were such oh, great moments. <laughs> Frickin' what's-his-face. Tw- What's his name? I can't remember. I can't Tormund? remember. Is it Tormund? Yes, Tormund. Tormund. Oh, uh, he's so... Like, whenever he smiled at her, I was immediately on that ship. I was just like, this is the best already. It was it's the best. So good. <laughs> okay, one final point before we wrap this up and allow Matt to... You have to summon Matt. Talk again. <laughs> Re-summon Matt to the show. Um, 
why do you think it was important for Sam and Gilly to take Heartsbane at the end of the episode, which was the name of the sword that was in his family, his family sword, if you may. Right, that his father purposely didn't want to give him. Right. That I don't know. That's interesting because the, it, none of that that stuff happened in the book, so I'm not sure where they're going with it. Mm-hmm. I assume he's still going to go down and become a maester at like the college right. of whatever it's called. So I, I honestly have no clue. I'm guessing that's going to sick his dad on the hunt for him. Because his dad's right. like the one of the best hunters in in Westeros, so that'll be interesting now that they're going to be hunted. Do does Valerian steel kill White Walkers? Yes, it definitely does. Do you think there's a chance that Gilly and Sam are headed back to Black Castle? That was the original intent. Was he was supposed to become a maester? and then become the maester of the wall, which is still what he thinks is going to happen. Like, he's mm. going to be John's maester. And so, yeah, that's, that's his intent right now. So we'll see if that happens. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right. But the dead are coming. Yep. So the dead are coming. All right. So let's summon Matt back and Sabamat and Sabamat <laughs> from the fires Sabamat. <laughs> I come out in that super cool, like, purple orb, like an X-Men Apocalypse. Speaking right. of X-Men Apocalypse, did you guys watch that movie? It's pretty good, I heard. Is, is that the one with Wolverine in it? I, he, he, Of course he's in it. It's an X-Men movie. Right. <laughs> Even if it has nothing to do with him, he's got to be in it. It's Weapon X. He wasn't Wolverine. But you know, yeah, yeah, you know who really wasn't in the movie? Oscar Isaac. I mean, he <laughs> was, but was he? I mean, kind of was. I mean, thought he was. Was purple he? Dameron. It was um, he <laughs> was Ivan Purple Dameron. Yeah, Ivan. Oh, they changed oh. that. They color corrected him a lot, but yeah. oh yeah, he they, was totally blue. I was like, man, they should have kept him purple. They did that the week they released that photo. They were like, nope, <laughs> change him to blue. I know we've got Mystique and Nightcrawler in this. We need another blue person. I was like, isn't oh. the whole purple thing like? The whole four, four Horsemen of the Apocalypse thing, they're all purplish. Yeah. And then they just made them all boring and this not the same. Ugh, lame. Who knows? Sporting their colors, they should have. But yeah, we're going to segue into talking about the movie. So if you guys didn't watch the movie, we're going super spoilers up in this. Spoilers first, they made him blue, not purple. Up in this pyramid. Yeah. So yeah, if you guys did not watch the movie yet, um, I don't know. If, um, would you recommend it, guys? Everett, we'll start with you. I was pleasantly surprised in that be and that was a hundred percent because I had the lowest of expectations going into oh. it. Like it but yeah, I definitely felt like I didn't waste my time and it was worth the money to go see it. I thought it was okay. Yeah. Uh thumbs up from Everett Sarah. Would you also give it a thumbs up? Probably not. Like I wouldn't give it a thumbs down, but I'm just so bored. I'm bored with it. I feel like I've seen this movie. How many, how many other, like this is the ninth installment of the whole series or franchise. Are you serious? You count the Wolverine movies, I guess. No. Yeah. So that makes me sad. So I feel like I've seen it already eight previous times, only different bad guys. I See, like- I'm, I'm in the middle between you guys. Sorry. Yeah. You're going to say Everett. No, I was going to say, I liked it purely because of Cyclops. But yeah, go for it. 
I was just going to say, I recommend this movie if you are a fan already of the X-Men, of the X-Men, either comic books or um, if you're a fan up to, you know, these, the kind of like the new trilogy, so to speak, um, from like Days of Future. Oh, no. Uh, first Class. Um, because they're all characters you're familiar with. And um, if you're if you're kind of vaguely interested in the X-Men series, um, like you you might not enjoy it as much. It sounds like Sarah, did you watch I mean you watched the other movies, right? Did okay. You- yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Matt, you but you you're making me sound like somebody I'm not because oh, no. I'm familiar Sarah's with X Men. She doesn't <laughs> oh, no. So I don't I don't know if it's like if this movie necessarily if the divide is because some people are X Men fans or not, because I grew up with the nineties cartoon season series like it was one of my favorites so i so i know these characters i know the history about them and i've seen all of the iterations minus the x the wolverine spinoffs so but i still feel like even in the trilogy like if we're just talking about first class days of future past and this one as like their own entity this is the weakest one See, I, I would agree with you too. And yeah. what I was trying to get towards is if you're a fan of like all these all these things, you might have mixed feelings, but you would follow it a lot easier than I think because I didn't really watch I mean, I watched all of them, all nine movies, including the Wolverine spin-offs, and I enjoy them, but I wouldn't, you know, I didn't pick them up on Blu-ray for a reason. I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. I watched it. And I'm aware of them, but I felt like I feel like I was missing a lot of pieces. Like I, I didn't feel really engaged with all the characters all oh, the time. Yeah. So I think okay now okay we're gonna go into spoilers now. So what I was trying to get at is we're getting kind of mixed reviews about whether you should watch it or not. But um, if you haven't watched it yet, please do. I think it was worth the money when I went. I was entertained for the most part. Um, so yes, uh, we're going to spoilers into or uh, going into spoilers now. So um. Yeah, Sarah, you're saying about how the characters were portrayed in in the movie. No, so I don't I don't know if it was portrayed so much as this is a really weak script because it's pretty much an hour and a half of introductions to a lot of characters because they they have to and they do this every episode because I feel like especially. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm it's so like a TV show. It feels like a TV it feels show. Like a, no, I'm not. I'm just. I'm saying that you're pointing out a good, a good flaw in the films that there's way too many of them setting up this film. Right. Well, it just. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but haven't we seen at least somebody go around and pick up all of these mutants and like become. Yeah. A pact, a mutant pact. Like they, they sort of switch it up by having it be apocalypse. But still, even after he picks up all of his horsemen, the only one we really connect with, and that's only because he previously appeared in the other two movies, is Magneto. And all the other ones do is pretty much stand around, not yeah. talking. Especially Psylocke. She was just chilling. She's but got, I'm not a she's fan got, of Olivia Munn, so that was fine with me. Oh man, I love Olivia Munn, but she's I, got. She's I would got love you to, to change my mind. She's got telepathy, so I can just imagine that she was saying a ton in her mind. 
She was talking mad shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. She was like, oh, yeah, I'm Psylocke. Exactly like the comics. I look, See my I look sword? just like her. But, uh, yeah. I The thing I liked about the movie, and this is kind of the complete opposite to Sarah, is that I loved all the origin stories just because I'm a comic book nerd. Like, that Cyclops... All right, so this is how big of a nerd I am. When the first X-Men movie came out, I bought the book of the movie <laughs> and read it first. Yeah, that's pretty bad. And the Cyclops scene from this movie is actually in that book. Like, they had that scene scripted out because in the original X-Men movie, they had planned to do, like, Monroe uh, Storm's intro, which was mm-hmm. different in this movie. And they had planned to do Jean Grey's, and then they planned to do Rogue's, and then they planned to do Cyclops. And I was just so excited to see the Cyclops origin because it was my favorite origin from that book. And I loved it. And that freaking bully that got hit by his optic beam would have died. But he didn't because it's a Fox movie. Right. But well, I don't know. There's a lot of killing going on in this in this movie for sure. Right. I just feel like, I feel like with this movie... And I, I do agree that the script was weak. It, it wasn't that great, like, story-wise. But I feel like they kind of, almost too late, took a few notes or tips from Deadpool where they're like, oh, okay, our movies do good if we follow, if we, like, adhere to the, the you know, the source material. Let's make people kind of look like they do in the comics. Let's try and do things like they do in the comics. And I feel like they did that in this movie good enough. I feel like the next X-Men movie, they'll do it even more. And I, I, I think that's the right path to go. Right. Now, for me, I also, I guess one of my issues with it is I felt like I couldn't invest in a lot of these characters because I'm not sure what's happening with the franchise moving off of this. I mean, there's been rumors about them doing new mutants and everything, but then you also like... Fassbender, McAvoy, and Jennifer Lawrence, like, none of them are really, may or may not come back, especially Jennifer Lawrence. She's pretty much done. I don't care about her coming back. Well, well, yeah, and I mean, she's one of, like, she's really one of the poor, like, negatives of the movie, because she doesn't even care at this point. So it's really stupid, though, to have this whole movie set up for that team that she apparently is the leader of, only to know that that actress doesn't want to be in any more movies. So it's like, yeah. are we going to spend, like, the next, the next, is the next movie going to spend an hour and a half of setting up all these characters and a brand new team? And I mean, completely on board with um Jean Grey, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, like they were done really well and I like their characters and they were one of some of the stronger. However, I felt like they were pretty much in maybe fifteen minutes of the movie. Right. There wasn't really like a big focus on them until like probably the second half of the movie. Or like the right. last third. When which I was surprised. Alone. Yeah. Yeah. Like when they're, you know, crawling around the facility where um they're being um, everyone else is being taken, but like, I felt like, oh, like f- for the first half of the movie, was like, okay, this movie is about, um, you know, Magneto, um, Professor X, and you know, and then and then of course like Apocalypse out of nowhere, um, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, and then they're gonna have these little kids, you know, kind of help them, and then it the it seemed like it shifted towards them once they started 
the whole scene where they had to rescue them from the facility from um what's his name striker right yeah yeah so i was like oh okay so is this when they're all going to come together and now fight like apocalypse or something which they did but it was i can there was a definite change in in focus of who are like the main characters in in the movie and i was i kind of was taken aback by that i was like well i kind of tuned in for these core three but not so much and you know i really could have just had a what would be really fun if i just saw that magneto movie where it's like him going into hiding yep and just having that whole scene kind of play out and expand more about him like hiding and stuff like that like that could have been a movie on its own because um uh man like michael fassbender like the whole scene where like um his family gets shot by one arrow which apparently wasn't very clear to me at the moment i was just like oh that sucks but (laughs) i couldn't help but laugh out loud when he said is this what you want Yep. Yep. <laughs> did it, did you guys both laugh? I laughed aloud in the theater, and I had to stop because I don't want to be that guy. But it <laughs> you felt were that guy. it was so. I don't want to say bad. It was bad. I felt it was bad. Like it, they could have ended the scene with him just emoting, and that's it. Right. <laughs> no, <laughs> had to say, is this what No, he could have just been there and like crying, or maybe whisper something to them. But he should have uh, silently emoted. That whole scene was so great when like because he was trying so hard to to just kind of blend and then, you know, they pushed him too far where, you know, they're about to kill, you know, his family. And then, man, when he made that locket, I was like, oh, there's something going to be with his locket because he pointed to her during the the bedtime story. Man, yeah. when he took out all those guards, that was bad fucking ass, man. That was cool. All I was like, I can't scenes. wait for him to kick some ass with Apocalypse, except he didn't. He kind of just like collected trash. And it's and it's interesting because they told on him for being a mutant because he tried to save someone. It's right. Yeah, all of his well, no, like his story they was great. Recognized him, right? So that's what right. it was. No, like, it, you are this. Well, he saved someone, and they told. Yeah, and then they told the cops or whatever that he killed originally because like that giant bucket of metal was gonna fall on a dude. Yep. And so he like stopped it from falling, and everyone was like, <gasps> "Mutant." Right. I think it's interesting that, Matt, you you first started off talking about it, and you're like, yeah, this again is Xavier and and their relationship. And it's like, yeah, all the the movies have been about that freaking relationship. I'm sorry. I'm so tired of it. Like, I, I get it. They are in a very angsty relationship, but I don't care anymore. Sir, you know I what that relationship was... needs? It needs a big purple guy. Well, you know what it doesn't need? <laughs> I don't need to go back to the camps again because in yeah. every single one of these movies, we're constantly going back to the oh, tragedy. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, like, I'm like, really? It's you guys gone, feel he destroyed well, it. Well, yeah. Yeah, he destroyed it. So the, so, but they're going to figure out a way. <laughs> they're going to go back to, to the include, rubble. Yeah, they're going to do some flashback sequences <laughs> again if Fassbender is in the next one. But then, Matt, you also pointed up, like, Apocalypse just shows up out of nowhere. For me, I, I didn't view it like that. Um, I felt like Stryker came out of nowhere. Right. And just randomly showed up at the mansion, collected all specifically very specific mutants to take and take them back i want that one i want that one like going grocery shopping or something i almost forgot who he was 
Well, it's it's confusing for me because in X-Men Days of Future Past, they end it with Stryker getting Wolverine, only his eye his eyes change colors, making right. you think that it's Mystique posing that, as Stryker. Did that movie exist in this film? I feel like most of the shit they talked about was from first class. Yeah, I'm still confused on like how, like on what Days of Future Past changed, like what's canon, what's not. Right, because Wolverines and Days of Future Past in the '70s, and nobody like knows about ages. Him. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then he ages. <laughs> he doesn't show his butt in this film, so that's that's cool. okay. Giant you know, negative. <laughs> I, was, I was saying like nobody ages because. Right. Oh, like for these three films, each one of them has taken place in a separate decade. Yeah, yeah, decade, decade. meaning ten years. James McAvoy's hair falls out like immediately. Does yeah. that count? Yeah. Well, Storm's um, hair changes colors, so we got that origin. Right, because it has to be. There's white. a lot of hair oranges. I was gonna say like uh, Apocalypse just changes people's hairstyles. <laughs> That's his mutant power. And clothes. I mean, Apocalypse oh, yeah. really is just like a fashionista. Oh. He has a he has an eye for flair for sure, man. He's all he's he, like, you know what it would be fucking dope, Angel? You got metal wings. <laughs> and he changed Angel's back. hair because he had yeah. like a big yeah. mullet thing, and now he has like yeah. a mullet hawk. He's so. like, mullets are out, dog, unless it's a mohawk. It's official. He, Apocalypse's powers is he changes people's hair. Yeah, he even like drew something on like Angel's face too. Yeah. Like, to make that sense right. of a mask and, and everything. And Sabanur's haircut emporium. Dude, he's, and then, like, what are you funny if, like, Tim Gunn came out and he's like, make it work. <laughs> Still don't believe that that was Oscar Isaac. Like, I don't, yeah. I just, I kept throughout the entire thing, anytime he was on the screen, I'm like, really, is that Poe? Like, I don't see it. I don't see the resemblance. I didn't know that it was him until, like, I looked it up. Or actually, no, in the beginning, when he was without hair. I noticed his schnoz. It's kind of I didn't notice any of that shit. Uh, the dude was blue. But to go back to Mystique, like, every scene that uh. she's in, I'm just like, alright, how much of her contract do we have left? Because I know that she was like, I'm not going to be in this movie unless you give me 80% film screen time. Like, uh, it was yeah. so bad. It was so forced in there. Like... Sarah, you watched the 90s cartoon. Like, Mystique mm-hmm. only appeared in, like, a f- very few of those episodes, and she was always a bad guy. Like, why is she a good guy? I don't, like, I don't uh, Because know. she's Jennifer Lawrence. And for some reason, like, Jennifer Lawrence can't be a villain, which actually would be that so much more cooler because we're used to seeing her as a hero, so yeah. why not do that? And like, that... That's incentive for her to like, you know, oh, it's a different kind of role, this and that, yeah. this time, and then she would be more invested in it because I thought, okay, look, I don't know, I'm sorry if this is super negative for you actors out there, but I thought y'all phoned it in, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. uh, like, I didn't, like, you know that um, that clip of her talking at the very end to um, her crew, and but they they've put it in the in the trailer where it's like, you know, you are, you are no longer students, you are X-Men. That is literally the last line of the movie. And you turned it into, like, the big thing on the trailer. And I was like, that was the only thing that she said, like, partially, like, convincing. Everything else was like, I don't know. By the way, that was also the end of Age of Ultron. They just kind of changed characters. Exactly. (laughs) I like Marvel sheen on everything. Did you guys like the Marvel sheen on everything? 
those well-timed jokes. Yeah. You know, instead of just angst all the time. I liked the end, the that on, that end end segment with Mystique only because she like had a stripe of white on her costume cuz like, oh, that's kind of like the 90s cartoon. Yeah. All wish... the costumes at the end were super similar. Like they made Nightcrawler's jacket pop a little more. Cyclops's like little like holster thing on his chest. The side. Yeah, that yeah. So good. That was my favorite part. And then a jeans uh, outfit was like to the T. By the way, it really good. Did either of you expect the Quicksilver scene to be better than Days of Future Past? Because it totally was, and I didn't believe they could do it. I thought it was so. I thought it was so cool. See, I enjoyed it at the time, but looking back on it, I'm like that scene could have been. It could have been put somewhere else. They used like, I guess that's what's so fun about the movie, though, is that it kind of circumvents like certain like beats when it comes to writing i don't know but well we all expected them to try i didn't expect it it at all that's what i mean to say because like that's like the lowest point for the whole movie right for our heroes is when the mansion blows up and they turn it into like a little comedic scene with quicksilver which is great i mean i enjoyed in days of future past but like having it at that moment was seemed strange and it was jarring like i i enjoyed it for what it was like if i just saw a clip of it on youtube i'd be like oh man five stars 100 percent like subscribe but like um afterwards i'm thinking about it and i'm like it's kind of lame where they put it because that could have been a good emotional kind of moment but instead it was like oh quicksilver scene times three so it'd be a wet blanket matt i saw i am a wet blanket (laughs) I agree with Matt on this because for me, I think the previous Quicksilver scene was so much better because I couldn't help but notice all of the CGI with all the flames and it just, to go to Matt's point about it, it was in the wrong place. Like, granted, moving that scene anywhere else makes no sense because, I mean, he's responding to uh, something that's going on. Like, it'd be... You can't really remove that scene. But I think in terms of just making it feel more... Make the emotions be there. Um, And I think this just goes back to the whole... The script was really weak. It was poorly put together. It was a fast turnaround in between these two films. Is that the one casualty, or quote-unquote casualty, because we are talking about a comic book genre film, is the idea that um havoc dies like the one person that yeah he's super dead and so you're you're emotionally invested in this whole situation is because there was a sacrifice and the only one who's affected by that is cyclops but for me like i i still i mean i know they're they're brothers but i didn't get there wasn't enough of work put into that brotherly relationship for you to really feel like in that emotion, that response where he's like, wait, wait, my brother died. Like, are you kidding me? Right. And they also like, even though I love the Quicksilver scene, it was totally better than the first one. They also follow Havoc's had no, but it also follows Havoc's death with the Quicksilver scene. And you're just like, 
oh no, Havoc's to oh Quicksilver. <laughs> like it's yep. <laughs> so it's, it's a nice know. distraction. It's like oh I'm so sad. Oh hey hey what's up? Uh, yeah. Isn't right. that funny how he's throwing people on blankets? Oh man, I love this song, right. you guys. It's so cool. But no, I I don't know. It was it was so much better in the first film. Sorry, sorry. I, it was yeah. I will say that Quicksilver was used a lot better in this movie than he was in the previous one because it felt really weird that they take silver along with them to like save everyone whatever that was the biggest criticism of that film yeah and but in this one quick quicksilver is one of the few characters who you really understood why he was in that final battle and he had this like very unique motivation that a lot of people related to and that on top of just his general quicksilver charm like it was cool to see him but even his character was slightly undermined because at the very end what the <laughs> i'm not going to curse but why the heck does storm know that magneto is his father and magneto still doesn't know because like, I thought Wait, that was storm really knows? weird yeah i feel like everyone mystique knows told her everyone knows it's like I the worst don't remember that yeah, because she goes up to Quicksilver at the end and it's like, hey, so Mystique told me that he's your father. <laughs> oh, like, I, I forgot that she was the one that asked him. Freaking blabbermouth, yo, Mystique. It felt really weird to add in that little, like, little coming from a character who's made out to be a bad guy for most of the film, even though we know who Storm is, so you know she's going to make that torm. Ooh, did either of you notice that at no point in the film does anybody actually refer to her as Monroe or Storm? Aurora Monroe. Aurora Aurora Monroe. Aurora Monroe. Nope. No clue. Ruber Robin. Ruber Robin. But... I don't know. I just i I was upset that Magneto didn't find out because it's so obvious. Everybody else knows except for him. Like I, I honestly feel like he was going to kill Quicksilver with a locket, and it would just be like super ironic. See, well, that would have been cool going into the next thing because, but then we have two dead Quicksilvers, which is kind of sad. Right. Well, it actually makes more sense for Magneto to make that turn at the very end than his relationship with Mystique. Right. Which I've never brought in bought into. Like yeah. I I really like their relationship like in the original films more so than I have in this tril- trilogy because to me it seems forced. She's a bad guy. She's, and she's not even like the main bad guy. Like Magneto doesn't need to be in every film. Like that can be their excuse for not having Fastbender in the next one. Like the Brotherhood of Mutants aren't the only X-Men bad guys. Neither is they're like the most notable names in it, though. That's probably why. Right, but I mean, there's so many others they can use. Like, I don't know. I, I don't... Like, I'm okay. Like, I thought Fastbender was okay, and I do like Magneto as a character. And he's he's got an interesting... He plays an interesting role in, like, the upbringing of Cyclops, you know, in the, in the comics and stuff, so... I don't know. I I just like Sarah said. I kind of am more invested and more interested now in seeing Cyclops and Jean Grey and Jubilee, who we didn't get to see use their freaking firework powers. Bullshit. But and Nightcrawler. 
Like, I just, I want to see the new X-Men team. I don't want to see this, like, same thing we've been having. And I don't want to see them with Nightcrawler. I wanted Iceman in there just because he was the only one missing. You should have just been like, oh, man, man, I'm so cool. And let's make a bad pun and then, let's walk away. (laughs) That's not true. I noticed two people who were missing, Rogue and Gambit. Oh, yeah. Technically, Rogue doesn't. Rogue isn't supposed to be care. born until they're adults, Sarah, okay? Technically, that is not my Rogue. And then Gambit... Technically, technically. Days of Future Past happen, so anything can happen. And then technically, technically, Gambit is supposed to be like an old man by now. So if him and Rogue, if him and Rogue were the duo, it would be like a 9-year-old and a 14-year-old, Sarah. I really need that movie, though, because they were my ship. Yeah, no, they were great. They were I love really that great. relationship. I need it. Like, like really... Fox, I'm talking to you right now. You can make a Rogue Gambit movie and you have my money. Okay? Fox <laughs> isn't going to listen. Fox is like, how can we put our horrible Fantastic Four movie in with our semi-okay X-Men movies and uh, make it? And, like, seriously, that's what they're thinking is going to save it. That and they're going to have a cameo with Deadpool. Boom. Avengers. Avengers payout. Man, imagine a Deadpool, or imagine Deadpool meeting Quicksilver and their banter. That's the comedy team right there, man. But it, oh. <laughs> I want Deadpool meeting Spider-Man, though. Like, uh, so much better. Just, they should not, like, be influenced by the relationship between Xavier and Magneto, okay? Or Xavier and Eric, because right. that's unhealthy. I just want more Colossus, When a man too. says... Yeah. <laughs> Colossus and Teenage Warhead. Teenage Nuclear Warhead. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Teenage Warhead. Teenage Mutant Ninja Warhead. <laughs> okay. Somebody. So I mentioned that Striker popped out of nowhere. <laughs> Moira kind of popped out of nowhere, too. And That's she's true. the catalyst for this whole movie. Oh, and she doesn't remember anything. Yeah. In her defense, though. Who like who would have been the person to discover all this and tell everyone about how apocalypse works? Would have been one of the like kids that they're recruiting? Like like one of the students there or something? They're like, by the way, I, I heard I'm I'm from Egypt as well and this is what <laughs> happened. Right. This is how apocalypse works. There. Like who how could they have introduced like apocalypse to the team well, without her. She's a MacGuffin. Well, yeah, she, she she doesn't even introduce apocalypse to them really. I mean, she inform. There's that great scene where Xavier comes back and they talk about apocalypse and everything, and he's trying to act like they haven't met before. That's that's my yeah. That's that's the scene. That I was like, who could they have replaced her with in that right. scene? Then? But do we need that scene? I don't know, yeah. The, f- the funny thing about that scene, I thought about this like as it was happening, like the way Apocalypse wakes up is because the sun hits that pillar, and the sun only yeah. hits like the pyramid or the pillar or whatever that lights it up because she knocked the guard out, and the guard couldn't put like that rug over the hatch. That it's like, rug is the reason. Yeah, her knocking that guard out and not putting the rug back is what's, what caused Apocalypse. Exactly. It's so stupid. Like, that's... Uh, it's a MacGuffin. 
It's like right. that's never happened before ever. They're they're pretty right. strict about the rug. They're, that rug right. is always in its place at one one p.m. every day. Because think about it this way, Matt. They could have easily had that same sequence without her and the cult doing the prayer and everything, and then just one of them being absent-minded and not really understanding, like or forgetting to put the rug up. And then the light hits it, and then Apocalypse gets resurrected. That makes sense. Or like Storm would have distracted the guard, and she was the reason why he knocked over the rug and something like that. Because it's really Eric who leads Xavier to Apocalypse. That is true. It's not really her. I'm a bit mad that Storm is like in Egypt at that age. Like she's from Kenya. Like I don't know. Yeah, they made her Egyptian instead of Kenyan. Yeah, I was a little upset by that, but whatever. My friend whispered to me, isn't she supposed to be African? I'm like, Egypt is in Africa. And then he's like, oh, fuck. I thought Egyptians were Asian. But no, I just... Uh. Yeah, I thought that too. But uh, I don't know. I I guess she she traveled to Egypt from her native land, I guess. <laughs> yeah. As a young child. A young stowaway. So much time spent in a desert, this movie. Yeah. Everything looked great though. Like all the like the scenes of destruction when Magneto was collecting everyone's garbage and stuff. <laughs> See, I I didn't think it did. I thought I was, it was I mean it, it was obviously fake, but I mean it was okay. I mean it, Magneto in his like 8th grade geog- geology class didn't real didn't learn that there was metal in the ground. I know, that was kind of dumb too. I was like isn't like isn't Eric supposed to be like super like smart and stuff yeah. like that? Isn't he supposed to be Steve Jobs? Damn it! Like Steve Jobs would know. <laughs> well, that's that's Kutcher, remember? <laughs> <laughs> there was like three move biography movies about Steve Jobs. Ashton Kutcher right. played him in one of them. Yes, but that that turtleneck at the end though yeah, <laughs> solidified it. Yeah. He should have put on some glasses for the hell of it. <laughs> I'm gonna go play Steve Jobs, and he just walks off. But yeah, like getting back to. Uh, Moira, yeah, I don't think I guess you made a good point, Sarah. She didn't really need to be in the movie. Yeah. Like, um, she could have been just I'm because they also for some reason made it a huge scene. They they needed like um Charles to have his emotional scenes, I guess. He's like, Oh, I should never have told you or never taken your memories away. Like, I I, I don't know what other service that she did in the movie. Anyone want to chime in on that? Right. No, right. she didn't do anything. Yeah, and in, then in terms of like the final big face-off between them um, at the very end or the final fight sequence, I think that see and all of this CGI stuff like in the actual desert, I I really didn't think it was done well. However, the part I really did think was well done was when it was um they were fighting off inside of Xavier's mind. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was super neat. I was a bit disappointed that like that that scene was in his mind because in the, you know, Apocalypse can make himself bigger like that in uh-huh. the in the comics and that's kind of what they were playing at was that this is like the scene for the nerds like me, but we're only going to do it in his mind cuz he we don't want him to do that in the real world because he'd be overpowered. 
it's almost like they wanted to keep the, the series grounded, even right. though they did time travel and they have full on mutant powers and stuff. Right. Well, it just it, it kind of was nice and a good change to see Xavier fight. Like right. he's it's not about his team and everybody he surrounds himself with, but and also for a character who's handicapped for so long to have him get a chance to <laughs> to actually do hand-to-hand combat was a good mm-hmm. change of pace. So that's, that's true, I yeah. think why it stands out for me. There's also no other way they could have conveyed that kind of like war of the minds or war yeah. of consciousness without that kind of um, surreal kind of thing. I thought it was cool how they cool slash like hokey that they put it at like the uh, the entryway for the mansion. It was like, you're in my house now. I was like, yeah, a uh, literal house, literal rolling eyes slash. This is awesome. At the same time, I felt like I was watching like it's like like a sci fi movie. Like on the like the channel sci-fi with like a huge budget, like it was, it was that level of like of cheese on it. I feel like it sometimes. I was flashing back to X Men One where Wolverine like jumps off the banister from the second floor <laughs> onto some dudes. Nice, but yeah. I I didn't mind the CGI. Like I guess it's just from me being, you know, a kid of the '90s, being born in the '80s. Like I just I I don't notice. Like I do um, notice, read, like I watch we're the Flash. All kids of the nineties. You're you're a little baby, sir. But anyways, <laughs> but anyways, I do watch the Flash, so I do notice bad CGI. But boom, shots fired. <laughs> we all watch the Flash, <laughs> sir. You're, you're still a little baby. But anyways, I I really liked how they actually were using like the eye beams and the lightning and throwing oh, like look great. Yeah, everything they had at Apocalypse, and he was, like, using his, like, Patronus to, to ward him off. Bubble shield. <laughs> yeah, his bubble shield. And, like, I thought it was just, that was kind of cool. Like, it wasn't like in some unmentioned Marvel films where the final battle's, like, you know, just a two-minute fight, and then the bad guy's dead. Or it's not Less like punching or laser zaps. Yeah, it's not like the era season finale where they just punch each other in the face a couple times. Like, so bad. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. I, I just, agree. I just thought it was cool to see like them all go at him at the same time instead of one at a time for once. Like it was cool. And then Jean Grey walking on air. That was cool. Phoenix. That was good. That is a saving grace. Like that whole Phoenix thing that happened. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah, I want to get you guys' feelings on that. I got some. Ooh, okay. Uh, Sarah, you sound excited. So let's start with you. What do you think about the whole Phoenix thing? Do it. Just make it right. I mean, you totally screwed it up with X Men Last Stand. So you gotta, you gotta make amends for that, and just next trilogy have it be Phoenix Saga. I'm on, I'm on board with that. Like the the characters who they introduced, who are like more well known characters that we're used to seeing in these films, and more leads. I mean, we're talking about how much Mystique is a villain. Well, these are our heroes. So yeah, let's let's go. D- Tell that story. Move away from something that has been repeated and is overdone and have a different director. Like, Brian Singer, I appreciate, like, what you've done. And me being a 90s kid, (laughs) it's cool to see parts and elements of the TV show come to life. But I just, 
I want another story to be told rather than the, like either a Wolverine story or an Xavier story or a Magneto story be told. I want to see something else. Okay. Interesting. Oh, uh, wow, I feel like I said something wrong. No, 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 no. I was... <laughs> you did because this is a classic Saren Everett disagreement. No, I, I don't want to see Phoenix Saga. Like, I, I know I'm in the minority. I know that people are already like, oh my god, next is going to be Phoenix Saga. Like, whenever you do Phoenix, like, the, first of all, they did Phoenix in the movie that doesn't exist anymore called X3. Yeah. Basically, and they can't do Phoenix without like getting rid of Jean Grey, and Jean Grey's got so much more to offer than just Phoenix. And I and I know that people like her mainly because of that she's a badass that turns into the Phoenix. But I'd like at least some more build up, not just one film before they jump right into that. Like, give us another film where it starts to take over her. And then give us like a third film where like at the very end of the film, she becomes Dark Phoenix and that's how it ends. Like I'd rather see them do something like we'll talk about it next with Mr. Sinister or use other X-Men villains first and, and, and focus on that story instead of trying to jam in one of like the most famous and most popular and probably going to be the most criticized or critical stories that the x-men has to offer so yeah well i feel like yeah. that's what i said so how can you be no, disagreeing because, because i said you next said you... trilogy be that okay well like... i didn't hear you say trilogy because i was too busy like nope she's wrong she said she wanted phoenix <laughs> as usual jumping to the no i don't i don't want the trill i don't want it to be like the trilogy the the phoenix trilogy though like i want I want the build up to be as small as like the build up to Thanos, like just one scene, a film of her, like getting the Phoenix power, you know, and, it, and it's terrible, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't want them to focus on Phoenix. Like, that's not what I come to these movies for. That makes sense. And yeah. And I think, I think that this franchise can learn a lot from Marvel as probably most of them can, because I've, I've seen people say like, well, they have all these characters, so it's really hard for them to do this. And it's like, we just saw Civil War. We just saw Batman v Superman. It's not impossible. Deadpool like, used two X Men in Deadpool. Yeah, like, <laughs> right. And like, you don't. And we don't know like their origin stories or all this information about them. We just they went. They were around, and they were yeah. a part of Deadpool's story. Like it is fine to have characters not be the vocal like focal point, but their story or whatever arc they're on has to add something to the overall hero story that you're telling or else there's no purpose and it just is like blah and it falls flat and i also have a problem with films using like the biggest baddest villain they can like it you know like you said there's been nine films so it's not as bad as like batman versus superman where they pull out doomsday out of their butts just immediately like, I just, I don't think they should use Apocalypse. Like, they should have done, like, a Thanos rollout with Apocalypse. Like, he's too big of a villain. Like, he's too, he's supposed to be super powerful, and kids beat him. So, I don't know. You just discover their powers, essentially. Yeah. You're starting to control them. And that was my biggest takeaway from 
the whole thing with the introduction of the Phoenix powers and its apocalypse in general. I agree with both of you guys. But I first of all, let me say I don't want I didn't want to see any kind of tease for the Phoenix. Maybe like just one scene at the end, maybe even like an after credits thing. But it's still fresh in my mind. I, although what actually happened, what, like over a decade ago or something, it feels like yeah. probably probably by now. And then like it's like I didn't want also I didn't want her to discover that huge of a power immediately. Right. Like um, and it seemed like she's in control of it already. And isn't the whole point of introducing the Phoenix that she can't control it. That's why Xavier had to like lock it in her mind, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and not not exactly. to say that, you know, that could be a card they're going to pull out next, you know, like how he said, genius, open your mind. And then he's like, I recognize it. So I told her to open her mind, but I kept the Phoenix power restricted in her head. And I'm like, because that would be kind of lame. It'd be almost like, you know, asking for forgiveness for showing that she can control it so soon. Yeah. I just feel like they could have saved that for something way later. And especially with introducing her for the first time, you know, in the new kind of, you know. In, in the new trilogy, I guess you want to call it or whatever, but I think they could have saved that for later. And also with um, everything with the apocalypse, they could have saved, like you said, ever they could have saved him for something bigger or they could have made him like the overarching bad guy that leads up to another, you know, trilogy of movies. They're the, the, the new mutants trilogy, trilogy of movies or something, but X force probably what they're going to do next, but something, but like, like Deadpool, there's nothing wrong with doing a nice, simple story. Like you don't have to, ha- yeah. um, you don't have to like yeah. destroy the world almost. And I felt like movie. too much was at stake in this movie. Like yeah. all of a sudden, you know, like yeah. it's like, Oh, world destruction. Oh no. And then we solved it. Okay. Now what are we going to go watch them at school or something? <laughs> Training with Jennifer Lawrence phoning in her in the yeah, danger just, room, yo. Yeah, you were in the danger room. You guys are X Men, cool. Now let me go make another movie. Like if it's, it's if it's gonna be helmed by Brian Singer again, yeah, that's what we're gonna get. What I want <laughs> to see, gonna... and I'm just gonna jump into our menace, Mr. Sinister, because yes, please give us background too about him. No idea. So his name's Nathaniel Essex. For anyone that saw the post credit scene, you see a briefcase that says Essex Corp. And everyone's probably just like, wow, that was a really shitty end credit scene. It's basically it, it Mr. Sinister is a mutant that Apocalypse in the comics discovers and kind of tasks him to learn about mutants and how they're created. And so Mr. Sinister starts to experiment on trying to create mutants, turn people into mutants, create them from scratch, blah, blah, blah. He eventually becomes a mutant himself. And he, like the thing that he's most famous for is he creates clones, basically. Like he creates a clone of Jean Grey, which becomes Cyclops' wife and stuff like that. In the comics, he creates clones that look almost flawless. And so I'm hoping that in the next film, we have kind of like a, a pseudo um, secret invasion type thing. Like I, I don't want them to do secret invasion, but to, to the point where they kind of play with someone in the X-Men is really a clone and like an undercover, like mole or something. And oh, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Like, I don't know something like that because he does clones. They have to do something with clones. They have clones. 
Yeah, I don't know. Should clone Quicksilver and make him do a race. Oh, and then he's going to run and like punch all the X-Men and throw them in the fire, like the opposite of what happened in this movie. Well, he's by the guy. way, Quicksilver kicked some ass for a second. Yeah, yeah, he did. I yeah. That was awesome. It was almost like cathartic for him to do that because he was like, I don't want to tell him to my dad. Fuck you, Apocalypse. Punch you in the face. Did you? Yeah, I know zero things about uh, Mr. Sinister, so thank you for t- telling me that because that's, that's pretty interesting. I have to go back and read the books on him then. Yeah, I can send you a, a link to a YouTube video where they just explain it within like five minutes. He's oh, that's, the, nah, that's fine. He's then. pretty cool. Okay. He's he's a well liked villain, and like I said, I want less like Brotherhood of Mutants, and Mister Sinister is a good pick for that. Just something else. Yeah. Something else. Something else. So don't something do the Dark else. Phoenix thing yet. You can save it. You can save it. But just, Close I mean, stuff. I mean, just tease it like Everett yeah. was saying just just subtly develop it in the background and build it up and that's your crescendo during the final one Wouldn't because be we great? know it's going to be a trilogy yeah. go ahead Matt oh, I was going to say wouldn't it be great if they just because you know how like the flames like came out and it's like oh the phoenix I get it and then they just like never talk about it throughout the next movie <laughs> either that or she becomes dark phoenix and kills the fantastic four and they're like, well, that does that takes care of that, and then they go back to the. Movies. That'd be amazing. That'd be the best. And they're like, well, right, we're Sarah, giving Fantastic Four to back to Marvel. Yeah. That'd be great. Sarah, you're gonna say something? No, I wasn't. What you said? <laughs> we, something about a trilogy? We know it's no, what? I didn't. I think there's a delay going on, but I think we should wrap it up. That's what this really is a sign for. Skype is saying we'd be dropping too many damn truth bombs yep. on the first episode of season four of Seen and Nerd. Thanks for listening, Hey-o. guys. Uh, we talked a lot about what you think about X-Men Apocalypse, talked a lot about Game of Thrones, talked a lot about Preacher. If you guys are fans of those shows or the movie, drop us a comment. Uh, we're, we, uh, we're on Twitter at uh, CNNerd, S-C-E-N-E-N-E-R-D. Uh, drop us an email. Same thing, CNNerd at gmail.com. We love hearing comments. We love reading your comments on iTunes and all the other places that we're going to post it up because I forgot where else we put it up. Um uh, Sarah, would you tell them where we uh, can find you online? You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at sjbelmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Very cool, very cool. And ever where can they find you on the internets? You can tweet me that you don't like me and that you want Pete back at the ever written on Twitter. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Hashtag <laughs> Papa Pete. Send him. Show Pete some love and that y'all miss him. At Facing Pete. <laughs> Um, yeah, go read, uh, go to gww.com to read about all of our geeky opinions on comics, games, TV, and film. And check out all of our podcasts on GWW Radio Rate. Subscribe. Uh, sorry, I'm just reading this off as a script. <laughs> Rate, subscribe, and comment on both iTunes and SoundCloud. I already said that. Like I said, I'm just reading a script. Thanks, Sarah. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on the internet at I'm Salzy. I am S-A-L-Z-Y. Until then, uh, am I going to do the same sign-off as Pete? If you have a DVR, use it. I think. Facebook. You're welcome. Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> Here again. Here again. Sorry. It's so weird to hear Matt read your outro, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> you read the outro in Sarah's voice, but I'm saying it. Right. Well, she. I've heard her do it like at least thirty times. So it's. Just... Oh, I forgot to say good night and geek out. You're welcome. Yeah. There. That's that's the kicker. <laughs>